Father, it's through the work of your son, Jesus Christ, there on the cross that we're able to come without fear before you today, without fear of judgment, without guilt, without shame, that because of what your son has done, because of the redemption price that he's paid, we have access, amazing, wonderful, bold access. Thank you for doing what you did in our stead. Thank you for allowing yourself to be separated from his love and taking on the wrath and suffering so that we wouldn't have to. And so it's in that gratitude that we come and we celebrate. It's in that gratitude we come and we worship. So, so take and receive our worship and get our hearts to you. Draw us into your grace. Draw us into the, the finished work. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all the saints of God said, Amen. Amen. Good Friday. It's an amazing thing that we call this day Good Friday. Think about it. It's a good Friday. And the, the question is, is, you know, why do we gather here on Good Friday? And basically, what is Good Friday? Didn't Jesus die on the cross on this day? So if he died on the cross, why is it that we call this day good? Should it be Suffering Friday or Sad Friday or something in that venue, something in that vein? Have you ever heard someone say to you, good news or bad news? And what they're doing is when they say good news or bad news, they're kind of giving you this option by saying, do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first? There's a bad news and there's good news. There's both. And then hopefully when they say good news or bad news, then that next question that comes up is this. Does the good outweigh the bad? Does it cancel out the bad? Or does the bad outweigh the good and cancel out the good? And so when they tell you good news or bad news, then you have to make that decision. Okay, well, well, what do I want to hear first? And depending upon what I hear first, then which is the one that's going to outweigh the other? Well, today, good news or bad news? What I'm going to do is this. I'm actually going to give you the bad news first. And hopefully by the end of the service, you're going to recognize that the good news absolutely outweighs the bad. In fact, obliterates the bad. What is the bad news? There's a passage, if you're familiar with it, found in the book of Romans. Now, most of us understand Romans 3.23, but I want to share with you in the, in the last part of verse 22. Romans chapter 3, the last part of verse 22 and into verse 23, it makes one sentence. See, we always read verse, Romans 3.23 forgetting that the sentence actually begins because in, in the Greek, the, the language, they don't, the verses don't stop at punctuations. They'll, they'll stop at what they think is a good verse. But the end of verse 22, it says, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, we always quote all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we don't recognize there's no difference. There is no difference between anyone 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that statement that maybe you've heard, I'm okay, you're okay. And it works well among friends. It works well among family. But, but let me be honest with you, it doesn't work that well with God. You can't go to God and say, you're okay, I'm okay. He just looks at you, oh, no, you're not. For there is no difference. All of us are not okay. There's no difference. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, so keep in mind that what we recognize is that when they say that you're okay, I'm okay, there's a problem that we have because sin, when Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, sin is against God above all things. So recognize this, that he as the creator, he is the one who made us. He's the one who, who determines and dictates because he has the authority to determine and dictate what is right and what is wrong. What are we created to do? What are our roles? What are our responsibilities? And as creator, he can say, if you don't live up to your responsibilities, if you don't live up to your roles, then, you know, then, then I have that authority as your creator to meet out a response to your failures, and so he does. I want you to recognize that there is a passage early on in the scriptures. If you ever start reading in the book of Genesis, you're going to come to chapter 2, verse 17, and you're going to recognize that God gives to Adam this declaration. It talks about there's a lot of trees in the garden, one of them you shall not eat, but he says this in Genesis 2 verse 17, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In other words, you're going to be separated from me. You're not going to be able to have intimacy with me. Now, God made man to have intimacy. Adam blew it. Adam, Adam chose to disobey the direct word of his creator, of his God. And then through that, God had already made ahead of time, before you eat, no, this is the punishment. Now I'm going to surprise you. But know that this is the consequences for your act. You eat of the fruit, you're going to die. You're going to be separated from me. You're no longer going to have intimacy with me. And so we, we see that here, when Adam ate of the fruit, that he then became separated from God. He no longer could have that intimacy. Now what happens is this. There's a problem now. Because God loves his creation. And he wants to have a relationship with the, his creation. Now keep in mind, God loves us. And that understanding, that principle is taught over and over and in a myriad of ways in the scripture. How much God loves us. For God so loved the world. That kind of thing. So we understand his love. He declares his love over and over again. But here's a dilemma. Although God loves us, and God is a God of love, understand this, he's also a God who is holy, he's also a God who is righteous, he's also a God who is just, he's also a God who is true. So then how can God remain true to his nature of his holiness, of his righteousness, and the true thing, I can't just wink at sin, I got to deal with sin, how can God remain true to his nature 
and love you because that's the greatest part of his nature, but also be true to the nature of what? Dealing with sin in a righteous way because he is the thrice holy God. Over and over in scripture, it's taught that when they see God, it's like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Not just holy is the Lord, not just holy, holy, but thrice holy, 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 holy is the Lord. You say something three times. When God says something, three, you take a notice of this. And I think it's amazing that we recognize that sin must be judged. And it has to be judged for God to remain just for God to remain righteous and for God to remain holy. Because if he doesn't, if he winks at it, he's no longer just. He's no longer true. And I think it's important that you, God has to deal with our sin in a way that's not an affront to the rest of his attributes. So how does this three times holy God deal with the sin issue that's found in every man. Because what we recognize is this. When Romans 3.23 says, there's no difference, all have sinned. There's two areas of the sin that you should be at least understanding. That one, all of us were born with a sin nature. Keep in mind that, that there are certain characteristics that you have that, that someone says, wow, you look just like so-and-so. A sweet sister showed me a picture of her and her mother, and it looked like she had a daughter, and it was a picture of her. <laughs> you look just like your mother. Well, keep in mind that there are certain characteristics that are passed on, eye color, facial features. But Adam passed on a characteristic that none of us wanted to be a part of, the sin nature. That which separated us. And then the evidence that we had a sin nature was what? We sin. We sin. We've proved it over and over again. That's the bad news. The bad news is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the bad news is all of us are separated. That's the bad news. Now the good news. And I love the good news. Jesus had made a statement recorded by Luke in his gospel. And as Jesus had made, or the, the statement that Luke records that Jesus had stated was found in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 42. I want to read it to you. Jesus had made a statement as he came into Jerusalem, and he said this, if you had known, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. He said, if you had known the things that made for your peace, you would have had peace. But because you didn't know, you don't have peace. And I love the fact that, that when he says, listen, if you'd known this, it would have been made for your peace. And I want to share something with you that is going to be made for your peace, that your peace is going to say, oh, I love this truth. I love God, and I love the plan that he has for me. There's a passage found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. just want to read it to you. But he makes this statement about being reconciled to God, 
And 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he, this is God the Father, made him Jesus Christ. And I think it's an important thing that, that, that he made him who knew no sin. God the Father allowed Jesus Christ, a man who was absolutely sinless in word and thought and deed, he made him, God the Father made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. He literally transferred our sins upon his son. He took our sins away. He took the penalty that was for us. And now he says, I'm going to put the sin on my son. And I'm going to mete out the penalty on my son. For us, that's good news. That, that we who are sinful and separated from God, now that sin is taken away, placed on his son. Now we no longer are separated. Now we can have bold access. And I think what an amazing thing when, when we recognize, he said, if you had known the things that make for your peace, do you realize that we who were sinners, as Romans says, now have peace with God? Amazing peace, bold peace. And so as we recognize this, he said that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And then he says this, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What Paul is saying to the church in Corinth is that Jesus Christ made a deal. I don't know if you were ever as a kid that you traded with other kids. Let's make a swap. Let's make a trade. Now, the deal with making trades is this. You always want to trade up. You don't want to trade down. You know? so, so basically, if you have something that somebody else wants, then you try to figure out what's the best I can get. Now, Jesus Christ said, I'll make a deal. I'll make a trade. And apparently, he didn't read Trump's book, The Art of the Deal, because that's always trade up. What, what happens was this. He said, I will take your sin and I will give you the very righteousness of God. Now, that's a, that's a deal. For us, it's a great deal. For him, you would think, that's a bad Friday. And he says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Because I get you forever and ever and ever because now you are made right with God. And I will come and I will partake of this relationship but what he had to do is he had to suffer first. He had to take away our sin. He had to pay the penalty of our sin. And so I love that this is something that is made for our peace. That the Father made the Son who knew no sin to be sin in our stead. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the good news. And there, there's a, a, a directive, an understanding of what this news is. I'm going to read to you a passage from Colossians chapter 2. And within this passage, there's a unique understanding of what the, the, the Lord begins to declare. In Colossians chapter 2. And what I want to do is this. I want to start reading in verse 13. I'm going to read just to verse 17. But it makes the statement, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Which is what? Exactly what Romans 3.23 says. All of us are separated. You being dead, separated from God in your trespasses 
in the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, in the sin nature that you have, he has made alive together with him. In other words, now you're, you're going to be made alive. See, this is what makes for our peace. This is good news. And so what happens is this, that we're made alive with him. Why? Because his having forgiven you all trespasses. All in the Greek is an amazing word. It means all. It means that there's nothing lacking. He has forgiven you all. Now, not most trespasses, not some trespasses, not the worst trespasses, all trespasses. Every sin that you have ever committed has been forgiven. Why? He goes on to say this, having wiped out or having forgiven, and this is how, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirement which was against us, which was contrary to us. All the things that said, when, when God saw this book and he opened up and it said, Lowell, guilty, 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 guilty. And all the things that I ever did in which I was guilty. And I was truly guilty. And every time it said guilty, it says what? You're separated, you're separated, you're separated. Now, even if there was only one guilty, only one, guess what? I would still be separated. You cannot have even one sin against God. But you know what happens? Is the book is opened, and it shows my sins. It shows that I'm guilty. But then what happens is this. Right after it says guilty, behind every sin it says the price is paid. There's nothing left to pay. I no longer have to be separated because Jesus Christ was. And I love that behind every guilty stamp of the book that has my name and my sins, it says paid in full, paid in full, paid in full. And there's not one that is left. And that's why he's able to say, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, he wiped out all of the guilties. Because what? He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. My guilt is now gone. Why? Because he paid the price. See, understand that if you go before a judge and he says, this is the penalty, this is the fine, and the fine is X amount of dollars, and somebody comes along and they pay that fine for you, guess what? You don't have to pay it again. Why? Because it's already paid. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ on the cross. The price of the guilt, the price of the shame, the price of the separation has now been paid. And I love that because he says, listen, he wiped out the handwriting. He wiped out those things which were against us, which was contrary to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Do you understand that every sin that I've done, every sin that you've done, Jesus said this, I will take your sin upon me. And then I will go to the cross and I will die for that sin. And so we recognize where he says, having, verse 15, disarmed the principalities and the powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, he had victory over Satan there on the cross. So let no one judge you. Let no one judge you anymore. Because now you're forgiven. Now you're free. You're free from the law. You're free from sin. You're free from the curse. And I think it's a beautiful thing to recognize that, that all these, these things, the, these shadows, the types of what everything in the law was, is now, now you're, you're just free to just live with me. The things that make for our peace. 
No longer do you have to fret and be concerned and say, what if, I, what if I break this law? What if I break that law? What if I did this and what if I did that? Understand that when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago and he said, it is finished, every sin that is there with you and me in that book of heaven is now paid in full. Oh, if you've only known the things that make for your peace. If you can believe this truth. And so we see that Good Friday, not so good initially, not so good for these few hours that Jesus Christ was there upon the cross. That wasn't the good because he dealt with our sin. But what happens is this. Good Friday is a reminder of our sin, yes. But it's also a reminder that what? We have a Savior. Do you understand? Yes, we have sin, but then we have a Savior. And guess what? Savior eliminates sin. We've been redeemed. This is incredible. This is incredible. These are the things that make for your peace. And so when we, when we see this, now we understand that the God who loves us was such a great love that he would literally be able to say, now I can welcome you back in. Why? Because in righteousness, he doesn't not deal with sin. He's dealt with sin as a holy and just God would. He poured out his wrath upon his son, Jesus Christ, which is why when Jesus was on the cross, he said, what? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you separated yourself from me, taking on the wrath, the punishment of sin? And, and this is where we see, this is God. This is what he's done. As we understand what he's done, now we begin to see that here, that my sin was placed upon a sinless Savior. My sin was placed upon Jesus Christ. He then, because he doesn't have to be separated, he's sinless. He can go right to God and say, yeah, I'm fine. We're good. But he then takes my sin and your sin upon him, which what then he says, I have to pay for that. Because if he had sin, guess what? He would have had to pay for his own sin. He could have paid for ours. And this is why he lived that sinless life. This is why he lived so perfectly. And so now we recognize that here, that he bore the wrath of God. He bore the shame of our sins. And so now we can have peace with our creator because he can say, I want to love you, but I can't because you have a sin nature and because you've sinned. And as a holy, just, righteous God, sin has to be punished. And he says, how can I love you and still punish sin? I'll take your sin and I'll put it upon my son. And he will bear the weight of that punishment. He will bear the wrath of that. And then we begin to see that when he does when he does, that is why the, one of the most amazing passages, and I've quoted it so many times, in John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Three words, incredible. Finished. Finished. I love the heart of what he's done. He's, he's finished the work. And with this Work now finished. We have bold access to come before the throne. 
And as we come before the throne, now we recognize a little bit of what Paul was saying when he there in the book of Acts, he'd made this declaration in Acts chapter 20. I want to read to you just two verses, verse 27 and verse 28. He talks about the whole counsel of God in verse 27. This is, this is the entirety of what that ministry, the mindset of God is. When he says, take heed to yourself, to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and shepherd the church of God. And then he says this, this is what is with the church, which he purchased with his own blood. Do you understand that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that there was a purchase price for our sin. In other words, there was a cost. There was a cost, not, not just the wrath of God, but he said literally, I have to shed my blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus Christ could not just die. Do you understand? He didn't just go to sleep and die in his sleep. He was brutally sacrificed as the lambs, as the oxen, as all the animals there in the Old Testament coming before, making it so that men's sin could be covered. Now, through the blood of Christ, the sin is not just covered, but it's taken away. This is the beautiful thing that we have been purchased with his own blood. Not just the blood of a man, but the blood of the God-man the blood of a sinless man, the blood of our Savior, the blood of our Redeemer has purchased us. And that's why we come here on Good Friday and we celebrate communion. We celebrate what God has done. That in this, we recognize that through his body and through his blood, through his work on the cross, we have what? Good news. Good news. The bad news is we were separated. Okay, we understand that. Bad news first. The good news is this, is that separation has been paid for and now we have access. I'll tell you what, the good news trumps the bad news. The good news overwhelms the bad news. So much so that we don't call this bad Friday, we call this good Friday. There was bad news, there was good news, but the bad news becomes what? It's done. It's finished. And now we have access. So we come and we boldly come before the Lord and we receive this gift. The gift of the work of Jesus Christ, his body that, that bore our sins, the blood that was shed for those sins. We now take his work into us and we say, it is finished. Your work, your death on the cross, as I take it into me, declares it is finished. Amen. Father, we are so grateful for this work, so grateful for what you've done, so blessed because there is both good news and bad news. And we understand that for us, you have declared that we now know the things that have been made for our peace, that you took our sins upon yourself. You nailed it to the cross. You paid the price so that now we don't have to pay it. It's already been paid once. You can't pay it twice. Because if we did, God, you wouldn't be righteous. You wouldn't be just. But, but you can be just when you took our penalty and, and allowed your son to take it from us. To take our guilt, to take our shame, to take our sin and to pay the price. And then to give us 
back in its place. The very righteousness of God. Lord, you are so good. And we ask, Lord, that as we come before you during this time and we celebrate and worship and take communion, that you, Lord, would meet with us and minister to us, that we would recognize that this communion, receiving your body, your blood, receiving these things is an understanding that this is good news. We are now partakers of your finished work, Jesus. It's now a part of us. And so we celebrate. We celebrate in this good news. We celebrate the the work that you've done. Knit our hearts to this. Draw our hearts to you as we celebrate it is finished. Jesus, we just thank you. Continue to knit our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, Amen. amen.